Welcome to another Books and Culture podcast with Books and Culture's editor, John Wilson. I'm Stan Guthrie. John, as we do sometimes, we look ahead at coming issues, and we're going to look today at the January-February 2014 issue. It's hard to believe we're already there, but take it away. Thanks, Dan. It's always a delight for me to talk about what's coming in an issue, and at the same time, it's a frustration because I can't talk about everything in the issue, <laughs> and I can't say as much as I would like to about all the articles, but... That's right. But, if somebody has to read the issue, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, on the one hand, I don't want to just overwhelm people, but there's just so much, I think, good stuff in, in every issue, and, and this issue is no exception. It starts off with Betty Smart Carter, who is someone who has been writing for us since the very early days of Books and Culture, and she reviews a book that has gotten a lot of attention called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, and it's a very witty review, as is typical of Betty, but also very insightful. And then Douglas Wilson comes next, and he writes about Alan Jacobs' book on the Book of Common Prayer Mm. that's in that excellent series from Princeton University Press, Mm -hmm. The Lives of Great Religious Books. Right after that, we have George Marsden reviewing David Hollinger's book. I mentioned a couple weeks ago when we did a preview of George's own book that's coming out in February that in this issue he has a review of David Hollinger's book, After Cloven Tongues of Fire, and it's an absolutely superb review. Jason Biasi reviews several books that have to do with fatherhood. You may remember in the November-December issue we had Leslie Leyland Fields writing Mm -hmm. three books about Christian mothers and how as Christians we should think about women and about motherhood and so on. I debated as to whether or not I should have those two pieces running in the same issue. My first thought was I would do that. But then I thought, well, it might be better to have them in successive issues. Give me one insight from Jason's review. One thing you get from this review, and you may say, well, gee, we already knew that, just as in Leslie's piece, is how contested fatherhood is, how contested our notions about fatherhood are. And the same is true of motherhood. And I think in one sense, you could say, well, haven't there always been, in some ways, differing views about that? Well, in some times, in some places, maybe. But I I think one aspect of our time that is somewhat unusual is the degree to which these roles are very much under debate. There's a sense of uncertainty and also a lot of very strong feeling where one group looks at another and how they think of, let's say, motherhood, or in this case, Mm -hmm. fatherhood. And as soon as the other starts talking, whatever, you know, contested point of view it may be, you can just see veins popping out (laughs) and Jason's own tone. He's an ironic sort of writer, but he criticizes some points of view. So I think that that certainly doesn't solve the questions any more than Leslie's piece did, but I think it's a piece very much worth engaging. Great. What else is in that issue? There's a piece by Mako Fujimura on the great earthquake of 1923 in Japan that he has a personal connection to through his father. Noah Tolley 
It's a very mm-hmm. interesting piece on how we think about cities. It's not just about the nature of the city, but it's about the nature of how we're talking about the city now and the faith that many people invest in the city with a capital C as a kind of transformative force in human affairs. You might say that conversation is at the opposite pole from a long history of seeing the city as a kind of symbol of human corruption, of Mm -hmm. all that can go wrong. The lead piece in the issue is Alan Jacobs on Thomas Pynchon's novel, Bleeding Edge. Alan is of the view, which I strongly share, that Pynchon is a great writer and that we can both take a great deal of delight in reading his books, but also learn a lot from them. It's not a view that is universally held. In fact, I have many friends who can't even stand to read a page, (laughs) and we're still friends. (laughs) But I have to say, I've seen a lot of pieces since this new novel, Bleeding Edge, appeared, and I honestly think that this is the best piece I've seen anywhere. Hmm. What else is in this issue? Let me just give you a couple of other delicious tidbits, and that's all I can do. But Jamie Smith has a review of a biography of Derrida, which is very interesting. And right after that comes a piece on Imagining the Kingdom, the second book in this projected trilogy that he's doing. And it's written by those four scholars at Westmont who earlier engaged his work in a previous issue of Books and Culture a little over a year ago. So those two pieces go together very nicely. I would also mention a piece by Nate Jones on the Bible and Asia that's a very Mm. interesting piece. But there's a lot more. It's a feast. If you're not already a subscriber, I think many of you who listen to this podcast are, but if you're not already a subscriber, consider starting with this issue. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Along those lines, can you give us a look even further ahead? Later this year, there's going to be a special section on slavery. There are always new books on slavery, and Mm. it's one of those subjects that it's very hard to get the attention of readers who are not specialists, who are not reading Mm -hmm. in the course of their work. You're a historian of a certain period, and this is your job. You may enjoy it, but you're doing it. Because most people feel like, well, really, what's there to say? You know, slavery was terrible, Uh, you know. The challenge for them when they're not writing just for their peers, which is a very valuable thing to do, but when they're doing something different and they're writing for an audience like the audience of books and culture to say, what can you learn from this? What helps you to understand something differently and to transmit that? And so part of it is on the reviewer, the knowledgeable scholar, to be able to step outside his or her usual role and do that. And then... Part of it is on the reader. The reader has to be willing to be open to that, to not just see the word slavery and and turn the page. (laughs) Yeah. And what do you say to people who are still looking for a good Christmas gift right now? What would you recommend? I would say email me and tell me a little about the person that you are thinking of. And I can pretty well guarantee that I can come up with a couple of suggestions. Oh, that's wonderful. Thanks, John. Thanks, Dan.